every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this start Come on around back Arizona on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning. It's 8 o'clock. It's Saturday morning. It's Rosie on the house, the outdoor living hour. And we've got Jay Harper in studio with us. If you want to talk landscape. Turn them sprinklers off. <laughs> Man, was this Amen. a great last two weeks with all this moisture. Hallelujah. Uh, hopefully you have turned your sprinklers <laughs> off. Um and and leave them off for a while. I mean, I think I had about two inches in the last out of these last like three storms. Yes, at my house. So you've got plenty of moisture. It's really fresh. If you haven't been outside yet this morning, go out and take a big deep breath. It's fabulous. We all need some good clean air anyway. <laughs> It'd be cleansing. It's it's just fresh. It's crisp and cool and moist and wet and oh. I didn't run the numbers, but just off of a gut hunch, I think this week we had more rain than we've had in the last <laughs> yeah. six months, seven months, eight months. <laughs> oh, probably I, since last spring. Yeah. Yeah. Probably in almost a year. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, uh, and yet, <clears throat> Rosie and I were visiting before we came on. A friend of mine, Don Waldemeyer over at Treeland Nurseries, was showing me the the lake levels, Salt River Project lake levels, and before this storm, our lake levels were actually just a skosh. Let's just call it the same as they were a year ago at this time. I, I had no idea that, that we were still in that good shape. They, they'll, they'll fill more than likely. I would not be surprised if they have to let water out down the river with the, Come on, baby. With, with the uh, Verde River lakes. They say, they say more clouds headed this way. Midweek, midweek, and come on, baby, come on, keep them rolling. All the creations rejoicing right now. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I know it. Some of my farmer customers are not real happy (laughs) 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 right now because they're trying to harvest stuff, and that makes it a little hard to do. And some of us didn't put it down (laughs) pre-emergent. Well, you know what? Wet ground is is almost as good. Uh, you know, so get it on there and you'll have to water it in. But, uh, okay. the fact that the ground is, is moist and before, before it warms up, because once these soil temperatures go up, oh baby, those, those little, little guidis are going to be growing like crazy. You know, one of the best things we've invested in, it was a couple hundred dollars, but it was a spray wagon you tow behind your quad Oh yeah, and it'll go up to 40 sure. gallons. You know, the first couple weekends we had it, I was filling that thing up to 40 gallons and still not getting everything. Now, five gallons and I've got the whole property because you're just hitting little tiny heads as they come up here and there. Mm -hmm. You're spot treating. You're not treating these huge, you know, massive patches of of weeds. And I'm finally got the, the, uh, I think it's called uh, ragweed under control. Those things are, the goats won't even eat them. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty uh, rough stuff. There's a reason it's called ragweed. It's oh, and when raggedy. it starts, it takes over an area like Choi. I mean, it just <sighs> if you let it. Well, the bad one too. This last couple of years has been that uh, that wild chamomile stinkweed. They call it. It's, it has a very odd odor. Gets little yellow flowers on it, and it just spreads like crazy. So 
be interesting oh, to see. I, as soon as I pick one of those, I, I sneeze. Yeah. <laughs> Start sneezing yeah. as, as soon as you touch it. It's pretty nasty stuff. So, hope, so what's that called? It's uh, wild chamomile is what it is, but uh, a lot of people call it stinkweed. It has a very uh, unique odor, <laughs> to put it put it mildly. It's pretty pretty uh, pretty noxious stuff. Don't know where it came from. It just kind of appeared the last couple of years, and just man, there's just blankets of it in places. If you'd like to join the conversation, ask questions about your landscape or garden, it's one triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three. Or you can email info at rosyonthehouse.com if you'd like to snap a picture. And as I was sitting here giving the text number, we got one. Uh, a listener wants to know, is it too late? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I have a nice little green carpet in my rock backyard. Mm-hmm. Already. <laughs> <laughs> so they're saying it's, it's already too late for the pre-emergent. Well, you know, that doesn't mean everything's germinated and the soil temperatures are still pretty cool. So... It's never too late. It's it's too late to prevent that material that's already sprouted, um, obviously. But there's more to come. I mean, it you know it's we get more moisture, and <clears throat> as I mentioned, as soon as we get a couple of seventy-five, eighty-degree days, wow, it's gonna stuff will really take off. So I would still recommend do it. The nice thing about most pre-emergents are you can you can mix them with your uh, post-emergent herbicide and get it all in one shot. And if you're doing a liquid spray. If you're doing a liquid spray, yes, yes. So, yeah, so something to keep in mind. It's too late for what you have, but like <clears throat> Jay said, there's there's plenty more to come. And it's funny how slow it takes, how everything's growing, and how slow it takes the, the you know, whatever you use to, to spray. You know, you, you can just see how slow it's growing because it takes – what usually is one or two days in the summer and the right, weeds fried. Right. Three weeks later, you can tell it's dying, but you can still see the, the weeds still there. Yeah, it, it, is, it is a slower process when the plant is not growing very much to, to eradicate it. But, yeah, but it, it will work. Just make sure it doesn't get rained on for about 24 hours after you put it down. The exact opposite of a pre-emergent. But uh, you want to put it down when it's raining, <laughs> or it has, or it has to be yeah ahead of the rain. It has to be watered in and incorporated. So that's the trick of combining them in your spray is you you can't wait you can't water it in right away, but you can't wait too long to water it in because you want to get the pre-emergent watered in at the same time. If you follow along in our, your Rosie on the House home maintenance calendar, you can see today in our outdoor living hour, we have a, a garden book review tag to talk about. And Jay, you've got uh, some very loved uh, literature there. <laughs> What'd you <laughs> yeah, bring I got, in? I got an old, well, the Western Garden Book's probably been the standby for most people in the Western United States as a, just a general kind of a plant encyclopedia, I suppose. I don't even know if it's still under publication sunset you know uh, magazine the gardening outdoor living magazine uh, published it and uh, the nice thing was it was zoned you know so depending on where you lived at what elevation or climatic zone you lived in you know that they would tell you what would what would grow or you know what would have the best chance of growing but and it's pretty general and and uh, not specific but it but it was a neat a lot of good pictures, a lot of good illustrations, 
Um, so you could generally find at least a little description of almost anything uh, in there from vegetables to shade trees. Uh, that's the Western Garden book. So I, I, I did not check uh, on Amazon or any place to see if that was still still out there and being available. But uh, it's a good one to have if you just want to have kind of a good general encyclopedia for the western part of the country. The and when you say zoned? Well, so like uh, depending on your elevation slash temperature zones, um, <clears throat> for instance, windmill palm, and the first thing it tells you is zones 4 to 24, it will grow. And then it'll tell you the exposure it'll grow in and kind of how big a water user it is. So you could go to the, uh, I believe it's in the front part of the book, yeah, <clears throat> and find, um, in our case, obviously, we live in Arizona. So this has California, Nevada, and then it'll Colorado, help you New Mexico, Hawaii. Elevation um, from Tucson. And basically, it's, it's elevation-driven, right? So... Um, California's a big state. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Um, so, and then it'll tell you, you know, what uh, what zone you're in and uh, so forth and so on. So, um, yeah, it's very helpful. So, that's, it's a good one to have. Um, <laughs> then I brought, this was my dad, one of my dad's, this rode around in his pickup. You can tell it got used uh, pretty hard. Uh, but it is... Uh, Thompson's English Spanish Spanish to English Illustrated Agricultural Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> so all the uh, you know all the plant names, all the anything that you would kind of need to know for you know the, the the Spanish word for cabbage is repolo repolo. Cactus is cacto. Just in case you want, I can remember that one. No, that's easy. <laughs> but even even things like cal- it's not ripe yet. Calcium nitrate, uh, you know, different things like that are are in here. So, you know, that's kind of fun. So anyway, could be handy at harvest time. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you had you know Hispanic workers working for you, it was pretty pretty handy to have around. Um, but anyway, there, you know, I think the book thing has certainly been changed by the internet you can kind of look up specific things and just read about one specific topic now rather than buying a a whole book on citrus um you know you can look up you know tangelos and just read about it but uh there 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 at one time we we had you know literally two or three racks of different books uh in in nurseries it was not uncommon to hold whole sunset books and hp books and you know, from all kinds of topics, you know, how to build decks to how to, you know, the landscaping, specific parts of landscaping, how to install sprinkler systems, on and on and on and on. There was a book for it. And they still exist. They're just a lot of them are digital. And we, our email has been the same for over 20 years. So the amount of different uh, press releases mm-hmm. and PR agencies that have it. So we're constantly sent. It's amazing how many books are still being published and they want us to review it and they want us to talk about it. It's hard to find, you know, that was one of the things I liked about that first book you mentioned, The Zones. So many are these great, beautiful books, but it's like, 
okay, if you live in Iowa, this would work. <laughs> or or you live in right. Washington or right. <laughs> so, well, so few are relevant to our area. There's been some pretty good local uh, authors. Mary Irish did, did some books that um, I'm sure you can still find uh, that were very specific for for here, uh, Kathy Cromwell um, did some books. There's a little book I think you could, it's still on Amazon. I looked it up, um, and it's published by the uh, Valley Garden Center, and it's kind of a beginner's book. I can't remember the name of it. I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> well, we'll are we going to a break? We, we we'll are. Get it when we'll we get, get it back. after. There you go. All right. <laughs> One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. That's one triple eight Rosie for you. If you'd like to join the conversation, anything related to your outdoor living area, landscape gardening, and we talked earlier. You obviously turn your sprinklers off. You don't need them. Probably won't need to turn them back on for at least two weeks, if not three. We oh yeah, even grass. You know, as cool as it is, a couple of weeks at least. And if you haven't got your pre-emergent down, you still can get to your nursery garden center, get a bag of granular and put your put it in your garden spreader. I will say that's another thing that was well worth whatever I paid for. It was a two-wheel cart with seed spreader. I use it for fertilizer. I use it for pre-emergent. I use it for weed killer. Yeah. It, it was well worth It's so much easier than ha- having that little one-pound hand shaker and walking around. And you go back and you fill it up. And you're like, oh, was it right here I stopped? Or was it over here I overlapped? And, you know, you never had to worry about the coverage. Just push it and go. Even, you know. Uh, what, what was that one? Even a, cave, even a caveman could use it. Well, even the, <laughs> even the kids can use this. <laughs> well, they like doing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. We're also talking about uh, gardening book reviews today. Jay had mentioned a few. And you, if you go to rosieonthehouse.com on the homepage, the right-hand side, there's a quick link. And you can click to that and click through to the entire list of books and it's kind of a, a a whip right now, a work in progress. We're adding pictures to each of the books, links to it, and where you can buy it. I'm sure you could find all of these on Amazon, but we've got two great uh, resources. One is thriftbooks.com, and the other one Rosie told us about is called bookshop.org. So they will actually go find where this book is physically located in a local bookstore somewhere and then ship it from that bookstore to you so you're supporting the the local mom and pops that if you listen to broadcast you know that's what we're all about is supporting supporting the local guys and uh you can find both of those links there and cool springs press is one that we get a ton of oh yeah yeah books from and uh what's the one in flagstaff northern arizona has a public uh i don't know if it's part of nau but there's a there's a publisher lumberjack publishing until yeah, we until we're know, corrected that uh, <laughs> the book i was trying to get, remember the name of was practical gardening in southern arizona and that's uh that's available at the valley garden center right here in encano area 15th avenue and mcdowlish um you could probably call them or order it from them directly online valley garden center practical he, gardening in southern arizona it's a little tiny book you got that um, one carol <laughs> All right, she's good. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's just got a lot of the basics, pretty specific, really even kind of a phoenix book. But uh, you know, if somebody's just wanting to, a thumbnail sketch of the basics, it's still a good one, I think. 
I have one. Um, you know what community-supported agriculture is. It's kind of a membership for getting vegetables from the local farmers. And when you it's join— It's a subscription. Yeah. So you, and there's all kinds of ways to get it. You, um, like Crooked Sky Farms, you can either pick it up at their farm, you, you order ahead, or you can— they also have a booth at the Roadrunner Park. So, you know, there's different plans like that. But the thing is you don't know really what you're getting. And you don't know we how much. have my- a good idea just because of what grows in the time of year. Right. But you might end up with something you don't even know what to do with. So <laughs> okay. I, I found this book. It's amazing. It's like an encyclopedia. It's called Bounty from the Box, the CSA Farm Cookbook. And you'll have to read the, the little document because I can't pronounce her name. But, but it's a great book. It gives almost, it probably gives every vegetable, herb, and fruit known to man. It tells you everything but how to grow it. It tells you how to select it, how to cook it, how to, um, you know, um, preserve it. So, and lots of recipes. It's just a wonderful resource. Great recipes. That's too. pretty neat. It is. And it gets you to try something different too. Mm-hmm. If it, it, you know, you get some fresh vegetable that you're not sure what to do with, yeah. try something new. One of the things, um, it's not, it wasn't a result of CSA, but uh, for years, Amanda has been ordering food online. You just go to your app and it remembers your last order. And yes, I need this, this, that. And can you have substitutes? And you can check yes or no. Have you ever had Kalito salsa? That was one that got substituted in. We, I probably never would have bought it otherwise just because I had my favorites that we always just go back to. But I, we haven't had ordered anything but Kalito since then. <laughs> never <laughs> since even heard got, of it. Neither had I. And mm. it's got uh, – but, man, that is some great salsa. Huh. Made out, of, made out of Texas. And – uh, it's, it's a lot thinner than, as I say thinner, it's cut up a lot smaller than like oh, a paste picante. Yeah. We've got some bigger chunks. This yeah. is finer chopped. Okay. But it's not as liquidy, so it, it like holds its body. And you, when you eat it, it's not like dripping all over the place. But all right. got a great taste. Well, if you're interested in trying some new things and trying community-supported agriculture, you can just go to um, Arizona Farm Bureau's website, Fill Your Plate, and and search um, community-supported agriculture, and it gives you some places that you can start the process. And there's a lot of them here in Arizona, and yes. especially as you get to the outskirts of the metropolitan areas where you run into all the farm crops. And from Phoenix to Tucson, there's plenty of farm in, be- in between there, and even south of Tucson, they've got some great ones down there. So, The Outdoor Living Hour here at Rosie on the House. Time for Bottom of the Hour News Break. We'll be back. You know, gardening books, I wouldn't say all these that we're talking about, I've read word for word. After you read one or two of them, they kind of all just (laughs) start to, you know, if if you're doing the straight instructional how-to, you know. Although the basics are the basics, you know. Occasionally you'll get like a new tip here or there, but um, it... It can get very redundant, and the ones I picked out weren't even, and I think this is why, weren't even a do-it-yourself one, but more storyline books. Mm-hmm. There's one called, um, and this is from a fourth-generation Arizonan out of Tucson, Scott Calhoun, and it's called Yard Full of Sun. Yeah, I've, I've read that book or had that book. I know Scott. I know Scott's dad a little bit. Oh. He was a former customer. 
And and you're also a fourth generation. Or are you fifth now? Or is your son no, fifth? No, no, I'm fourth. I'm fourth. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it's a cool little book. It, it's uh, it's like a storyline and yeah. him trying to figure it yeah. out and going yeah. through it. It wasn't necessarily like a instructional here there. And he talks about you know getting overwhelmed, and that's a very easy thing to do when you get started. It becomes very addictive, and you can easily. Uh, especially as the plants mature and shape and take size, you you can very easily outdo yourself. Well, and I think the biggest mistake, other than a couple of things, people don't don't take enough time to prepare. If, if we're talking vegetables, gardens, people don't take enough time to prepare the soil ahead of time. Um, and and timing is is the biggest thing probably for, if you're a beginner here, any book that will give you specific timing for certain crops for our specific neck of the woods is a good thing. But I think the, the, the then the biggest thing that people do is they take on too much at one time. They they grow too much. Their, their garden is too big. They think they need to fill it. Uh, and so, the, you know, they're, the, then they've got, you know, it, the old saying is why they, why they put door locks on doors in the Midwest is so your neighbor won't come fill your house full of all the zucchini they can't eat. <laughs> so, you know, people grow too much lettuce, too much olive at one time, more than, than you can, than you can use. So, um, you know, start small. I mean, start with a little container, uh, you know, just even a little, my, my mom and dad have an amazing garden and especially for their age, it is amazing. And it is all, black plastic nursery containers, pretty good-sized ones, you know, like 25-gallon, 35-gallon black nursery containers. And now at their stage, they've got them up on sawhorses so they don't, don't have, have to, to bend, bend down. down. And they grow everything. There's pretty much – they grow okra in those. They grow leafy greens in those. They grow cucumbers and squash and onions and you name it. There's really nothing you can't do. So you can – you can use your creative sources and imagination, but tailor your garden to your lifestyle, to your age, to what you like to eat. And 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 people ask me, what should I grow? I said, what do you like to eat? <laughs> you know, grow what grow what you like to eat. When they plant citrus trees, what should I plant? What do you, what fruit do you like to eat? Don't grow grapefruit if you don't like it, or because you're going to have a million of them. <laughs> <laughs> well. You know, the one thing you're talking about in sizing your garden, it's amazing. Mel Bartholomew's book taught me so much about square foot gardening. How much you can grow and how many people you can feed in four square feet. In a little bit of, 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 of space, yeah, a I mean, small space. This man, and we've, we were fortunate to meet him a couple times because you introduced us, uh, his mission in life his self-stated mission was to eliminate world hunger right yep and he was going to teach people all over the world how to feed a village a family in four square feet and the pictures of his square foot raised gardens will blow your mind everything he was pulling out of i've never seen four square feet so crowded with produce you can intent you, you know, intensive garden. There's a number of names for it, but you can grow. You know, so we're not talking about commercial agriculture and having to grow the perfect shape and size 
head of lettuce that the consumer would buy. To, but you can pack stuff in uh, very tightly if you're growing it for yourself or as a neighborhood thing. There was even a, a group, I think it was Detroit, that I saw. And they were taking anybody that had, had bought, and then they were going out and buying them. They're very inexpensive. But the little kitty swimming pools? You know, they're just about the right size and the right depth. you got to poke holes in the bottom of them. But, you know, they had hundreds of these in this place just lined up, fill them full of good soil, because that is the advantage of going with that kind of system is you're not dependent on what kind of soil or what has been done there before. You could even do it on top of a paved parking lot because <laughs> you're, you're bringing in bagged soil or mixing a, a bulk amount of soil. Uh, together to, to fill these with. And, and you talk about then you cut down on all that soil preparation time. We had a great garden preparation recipe. Oh, you did. That was made Amen. for tilling it into the existing, changing or amending the existing natural soil here into pretty good gardening soil. But if you eliminate that by going to a, a raised box or a garden and you just buy bags of soil, um, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But yeah, start small with something like that. Now, you'd mentioned grow what you like to eat, and I'm going to – we grow zucchini, but I hardly eat zucchini. The, you need a successful – That's successful, where that cookbook comes right, in. Right, right, right. Like, <laughs> you know, tomatoes can be hard. Peppers can be hard. Zucchini, it's almost – it's worse than a weed. <laughs> you know, okra is another great example. Radishes, you know, you've got to have one that's easy to grow, easy to maintain. And, you know, the, the bugs don't even seem to eat zucchini leaves. <laughs> they'll, they'll go eat my tomatoes. They'll go eat all my other stuff. But Do you they, not like <laughs> zucchini? or I have yet found a, I got a, it. an I, joyful I, recipe. I got it. I zucchini get, bread's pretty darn good. <laughs> it, Jennifer, wasn't it Mel Bartholomew taught us to like zucchini with that shrimp dish? That's eggplant. Oh. <laughs> See? Okay. I stand corrected. Those can be pretty confusing, too. So one's kind of big, yeah. one's a little small. Yeah. I still have not been able to develop a real uh, affinity for okra, even though I'm 62 years old. Usually your palate changes and you learn to, to like things. It's still not one of my favorites. I'll eat it. So when we were kids, my dad loves okra, and he always planted a forest of the stuff. Well, they went on vacation. I'm sure I've told this before. They went on vacation. We were, you know, we were old enough to not go along. And we're, our, our, we had to feed the animals and water the garden. We, we fed the animals and we watered everything in the garden but the okra. <laughs> like, I've, I've had enough. I don't like it anyway. It's dying. We couldn't even kill it doing that. It's still... <laughs> Exactly. See, so you've got to, you also have to have a successful crop to, to keep interest, especially if you're trying to get the kids engaged. That's true. Even even if they don't, uh, you eat know it, what's amazing enjoy. though? If they grow it, yeah, how much more apt they are to like it and eat it if they've grown it themselves. That's a fact for that, sure. That's a fact in my own life. I mean, yeah, true. I've accidentally grown something that I didn't even know what it was. And you just learn to like it because it, came out, in the game. Cause it yeah. came out of your garden. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then another one, well, you know what my favorite way of okra? Well, we've got the Uncle Jerry's, you know. Cornichon. It's Hot pickled okra. Pickle, uh, oh, vinegar. It's, it's fermented in vinegar. I'd like to try that. Red uh, pepper. Like 
and co- uh, carrots black and coal, black uh, corn, uh, uh, hickam, pepper, hickam. He does them all together in a jar, mm-hmm. kind of like the so hot mix that Arnold's used to do. Remember yes, that? Yes, yes, yeah. Okay, yep. got it. This yeah. is Uncle Jerry's Cornishaw. That that and talk of Texas pickled okra, you yeah. just pull it out and eat it like a pickle. That's good. But you'd also mentioned something about uh, that leads me to one of the other books I picked when you're talking about how much was in Mel's space and, and growing up. But there's a, a really great book Shauna uh, Coronado put together called Growing a Living Wall. And it's mm-hmm. not just uh, like a, a vine type, but she also talks about you know different ways to utilize vertical growing and how much, you know, in my mind, you know, gardening is, 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 is farming and you're using these big plots of land and this book teaches you to grow vertical you know, you've got tower gardens you've got uh the flower street urban gardens yes uh-huh um you've got all kinds of different ways to go vertical and a point you make is that's a very easy way to grow herbs and herbs are the most expensive thing in your produce section at the grocery that's store for sure and most of them are pretty easy to grow and you can grow them indoors. You can grow them in shaded mm-hmm. areas. You can grow them on patios if you're in a condo or an apartment and you've got a patio deck. This is very easy to put together. We were playing with the idea of those vertical walls that you could actually take melons and grow them vertically. Did you? Were you ever successful with that? Well, I've I never really fully tried it, but in my container garden, uh, we grow melons out of there, and you okay. put them up against the. Uh, chain link and you let them grow out and yeah they that hang right there maybe it, the, surprising the, the vine it grows is, strong it is enough. very surprising when you when you mm-hmm. see a trellis of cantaloupe mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah well you know i mean as space becomes more and more limited as re, you know we'll we'll find a way to grow it you know there's there's warehouse production you know indoor you know hydroponics aquaponics uh, you know all kinds of different methods of of growing that we're going to have to eat so we got to figure it out and and don't lose heart if you live in the city our very own kari spencer from right here in phoenix uh wrote a book city farming and it's um how to raise livestock and crops in urban spaces and her book is also a very meaty little book with lots of good information and you were talking about stories she kind of tells the story of her developing her little island of wonderful in in her backyard in a very small space. And Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm is also a friend of hers, and he's done an amazing amount on a small space. So this is for anybody who has a little bit of yard and soil to work with. So that's, that's another book I really like. Sometimes, Roma, you said you like the story. I like the authors. I like their passion. So I really like Kari's because of her passion and also Mel Bartholomew because of his passion. And, and Rosie talked about his book, Square Foot Gardening. He also did a book, a little cookbook, and um, you can in pictures of him enjoying the different food. It's really it's really sweet and inspiring. So great books. And you can find this complete list of all the books we're talking about at rosieonthehouse.com. It's up on the quick links at the home page. It'll take you into the homeowner resources DIY database under the gardening category, garden book review. But we've got the direct link on the home page, and Carol's working on the links to the a couple different resources on where you can order them. Yes, I'm sure you could get them at you know Amazon, but we try and direct you to local resources at, right here uh, in your own backyard that can help thrift books and bookshop.org and there's even a secondhand books uh store that i'm sure has a lot of these as well there are a number of those around town yeah 
I think there's one by PV Mall for sure, and as, as memory serves me correct. But lots of places to get books. Um, we've been finding books at like Salvation, uh, St. Vincent de Paul's thrift stores, places like that, or you know, you might look at places like that too. Grow, grow, grow a garden, grow it nice and green. The rain will help our garden grow to the biggest you've ever seen. Speaking of rain in the desert, you know what I noticed? And I, I don't know that I ever really noticed this before, but the, the difference between summer and winter rains is in the summertime, the smell of creosote is so much stronger than in the winter. I don't know what that is. Hmm, you're Something right. Something with the heat, but I I was telling the kids. Maybe because it's melting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the smell of creosote melting. <laughs> I don't know, but you're right. You don't smell it as strong. There's just something about that that summer monsoon rain out in the <clears throat> wide open with the creosotes. That that aroma is one in a one of a kind. But we won't get to all the books today. There's a couple um, just rifling through. There's the Encyclopedia for Country Living. That is a great resource for everything. Uh, it's like all of these in one. It's a huge pamphlet. I don't think it has a lot of recipes. So that one with the community supported ag. Uh, there's another one, Pollinator Friendly Gardens. That's a really good one. If you are gardening, you're kind of already uh, have pollinators, but this one will, you know, specifically if you want to have butterflies, hummingbirds, bees, and not necessarily gardening for mm-hmm. food consumption, mm-hmm. but just to watch and enjoy Attracting the, the nature. Pollen. Mm-hmm. But the, there's another one that doesn't <clears throat> even have anything to do with, with edible gardening, but Desert Gardening by Steve Martino is. It's a coffee table book. I mean, the, the pictures in it, it's like if you could picture the secret garden but for the desert. And it really gives you an idea of just how many different plants there are, the different shapes to all the plants, the different structures, the uh, the architectural branch architecture, I think, is, is Eisenhower calls it, of different mm-hmm. trees. And it, it's like it's how to bring a botanical garden, scaling it to your own backyard. <clears throat> He's one of the very early forerunners in xeriscaping and using arid-adapted plant material in, in landscapes here, so it's probably very good. And every one of those uh, gardens are, are right here in Arizona. These are actually projects he completed that uh, are, are, you can see in the background some areas. Oh, that's Camelback Mountain. No, oh, that's mm-hmm. uh, Squaw Peak in the background. Oh, those that's the boulders. So it's it's all relevant as as localized as you could possibly get for for southern central southern arizona yeah for sure yep it's he's right here so. and it's a big one i mean it's a hard back and it's like legal size paper oh wow left to right i mean it, it's a big heavy book but it's the the pictures in it and the the hardscapes and the features it it really gets you inspired to get something drawn to your own backyard i could i could visualize this in my living space, my outdoor living space. There you go. So, uh, wrapping up this hour, uh, any... You, you know, what? one thing we didn't met. you know, we are, what, a day or two away from February, right? So with this moisture, we're probably close enough if you got the inkling you're going to get out to start fertilizing citrus. Um, you know, Valentine's Day is only a couple weeks away, so... If you want to take advantage of good, moist, wet soil, fertilizing your citrus and fruit trees, uh, pruning roses. Um, 
and deciduous fruit trees should be uh, that's that's uh, on my list this weekend. So time that, to do those. And when you're fertilizing your citrus, because it's wet right now, it'll probably be better than waiting a couple more weeks. Uh, well, that's my thinking is you already got pretty moist, wet soil. It's pretty easy to get it watered in and dissolved and incorporated into the soil. So it, I think it's probably a good idea if you are going to do some gardening chores, uh, just add that to your list this weekend. And what do you like to fertilize your citrus with? Well, there's a number of things. If you want to go organic, of course, you know, I work for an organic fertilizer company that would love for you to buy our product. It's the Farm's Choice uh organic fertilizer and you um, have the pelletized pelletized uh, or yeah or you can buy a crumbled product either one um, available at a number of uh, uh, nurseries and garden centers around town if you go on to the farmschoice.com there's a list of people that handle it um, more conventional the the old uh, organo citrus food is still very good fertilone makes a good one um, you know i the one thing I just got, and I don't think you see too much of this anymore, but the combinations of citrus and avocado, probably not a great idea. But, you know, all, all fertilizers work. They all, if they have an analysis, they'll work. It's just the analysis dictates how much of it you need to use. So, you know, follow the directions. That's, that's the main thing. But no fertilizer works if it's left in the bag in your storage <laughs> shed. And, I, and I, over the years, I've seen... Boy, lots of they could, people could build and start a museum of old of antique fertilizers. You know, there's stuff that's 30 years old that's rock hard, solid hard in a bag or a box sitting on their shelf in their fertilizer. They don't work. They all work. There isn't a fertilizer out there that if it has a, a nitrogen, a phosphorus, or potassium or some trace elements in it, it's going to work. But you got to use it. <laughs> I found why are you looking some, at me? Why like are you guys that? laughing? I, I found some. I found, I found some MSMA in my on my shelf. Well, there's an antique. We used to have a wall. When did, when in did it. they quit selling that stuff? It's probably been ten years ago now. But we used to have a little. We used to have a little wall, a collector's wall. Every time they'd take something, the EPA would pull something or whatever. Oh, we'd, have, we'd, we'd pull a bottle off the shelf and had it stored. John yeah. Jay, thanks a bunch for joining us this hour. You're welcome. Next Saturday, we start a brand new month. It'll be the 6th, so we've got the Farm Bureau in. We'll be talking about Arizona pistachios. Next hour, if you know someone that's renting, you've got to call them, wake them up, and get them to tune in the next hour. Harold Perkins from Galaxy Lending is going to come in and talk about whatever you're paying for rent, how big a house that can buy. Call the renters you know. Get them to tune in right now.